Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. Let's take a step back in time. Not too far back, but just to a few years ago. A time that might be a little fuzzy in your memory because everything was sort of boring and scary and insane all at once. Most of the nearly 300 confirmed cases are at hospitals like this one here in Wuhan, ground zero for this mysterious virus. Growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Now here in New York City, a state of emergency declared as well. The NCAA tournament canceled. The NBA season suspended. Now 4.9 million school children across the country at home. This is a suboptimal time to be a human being. It would be a great time to be a dog. In the early days of COVID, lots of us were stuck at home, and we, of course, watched a lot of TV. If you're like me, you were probably watching these three things. This guy's press conferences. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. I also watched a lot of this guy's press conferences. And we're going to get through it because we are New York. And because we've dealt with a lot of things, and because we are smart, and because we are New York tough. And I watched Tiger King. About an hour ago, we had an incident where one of the employees stuck their arm through the cage and a tiger tore her arm off. I can give you your money back, or I can give you a rain check. As I said, things were weird and bad. And these three weird bad men were so much a part of our lives. Except that second guy, Andrew Cuomo, he actually seemed pretty great at the time. Social distancing, no restaurants. Yes, they are burdensome. By the way, they are effective and they're necessary. A voice of reason, a source of calm. People loved Andrew Cuomo so much that they came out as Cuomosexuals. Trevor, you call yourself a Cuomosexual, and I, I, I agree with you. I feel like I'm a Cuomosexual, too. It's just so seductive to see anybody in politics speak like that. I mean, someone even wrote a song about it. So it was all anybody could talk about when a major scandal broke. Does Governor Andrew Cuomo 
have a nipple piercing. <laughs> he either has pierced nipples or he has three nipples on each nipple. He's into some light BDSM, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> One reporter led the charge on investigating Nipplegate. Joining us here at the table is Olivia Nutzi. She is a Washington correspondent for... So, the- Olivia Nutzi, how are you Nutsi. doing? Sorry. Oh, oh, my God. Like Gingrich, how- Newt. <laughs> Z. <laughs> She's actually an old colleague of mine. I mean, I myself am Greek and not Italian, but you have... I I do consider you, like, an Italian-American, even though I know intellectually that you are not technically Italian-American. I am adjacent. I'm an (laughs) Italian-American. But, you know, you're shit-talking an Italian-American man here. I I think I'm celebrating his body. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, there we are, 2020. Andrew Cuomo is the savior of the United States. And were you a Cuomosexual at that time? I was not. I did not identify as a Cuomosexual, but I, I don't kink shame. <laughs> so you're looking at maybe Andrew Cuomo in person or a photo of Andrew Cuomo, and you start to notice something odd. He was doing a press conference, and he was wearing um, a white polo shirt. And now I don't know if the polo shirt was very thin material or if Andrew Cuomo has extraordinarily powerful nipples, <laughs> but it's one or the other. <laughs> and you just you could not help but notice some unusual spherical shapes mm-hmm. flanking what you would assume were Andrew Cuomo's nipples beneath this polo shirt. So let's hear Olivia read from the story she wrote based on her observations. So unusually spherical, and so many of them. Is that a total of four small, ball-like objects? Could nature be responsible for those? It's not that they appear to be hard. Everybody knows what that looks like. It's that the hardness appears unmistakably foreign, an aspect given not by a holy creator or even a surgeon, but by someone, something else. And so what did you do when you spotted this? I think I immediately contacted his spokesman. Mm-hmm. to ask if he had his nipples pierced. Wow, you just, you're on it. This spokesperson denied that Andrew Cuomo had nipple rings. He said, and I'm quoting, sorry, internet, but Olivia was dogged. He started calling around and I got in touch with a nipple piercing expert from Studs. And according to this expert, those sure did look like pierced nipples. Mystery solved. But a journalist can't pin an article on one expert opinion alone. So Olivia reached out to someone who would know for sure if the governor of New York had pierced nipples, his ex-girlfriend. I'm talking about Food Network celebrity Sandra Lee. And this is just one bag of frozen cherries that I've chopped up. And to this, I'm going to add a pound of ground chicken. Now, what I want to do here is work the ice cream a little bit into the shape of a potato. I believe that they had recently broken up. And this is, it's horrible to be a reporter. Like, why did I do this? Why did I call this poor woman? You know, she's just trying to bake her bread or whatever the fuck she does. But I I wanted to know if she knew anything about the nipple piercings. And then I believe she released some sort of statement on on Instagram. She did. She said, body shaming is not okay. It's never going to be okay. And when people are out on the front lines working so hard for all of our benefits to then turn around and body shame, Shame on you. No, I think the problem is that he was on the front lines. His nipples were protruding slightly over the front line (laughs) underneath that polo shirt. (laughs) That's right. And she likes to make um, 
concoctions of prepackaged foods. Yes, the Kwanzaa cake, one of the most famous abominations, if I may paraphrase Anthony Bourdain, to grace the the screens at the Food Network. Have you ever seen the Kwanzaa cake? No, I've not. <gasps> what does that look like? <laughs> Vanessa. <laughs> She, I can't do it justice describing it, but this is a, um, not just a, a white woman, but like as pale as I am, faker blonde than I am, no offense, she looks great. <laughs> and she decided to make a Kwanzaa cake that involved, if memory serves, a prepackaged angel food cake. And then in the center of it, she dumped a can of apple pie filling. Mm. And then I believe she put canned icing all over it and then stuck like nuts and Kwanzaa candles in it. Oh my god. To my knowledge, this has nothing to do whatsoever with how Kwanzaa (laughs) is traditionally celebrated. Oh my god. And so the two of them broke up because there were, because that was just Sometimes love is not enough. (laughs) So Sandra Lee made heinous cakes and she called out journalists for body shaming her ex-boyfriend. But do you know what she didn't do? She didn't say that Andrew Cuomo doesn't have nipple rings. Thanks for coming back to listen to Infamous, our podcast about the scandals of the rich and powerful. I'm Vanessa Grigoriadis, and this is episode one of our two-part series, America's Governor. So this week, we're talking about the scandals surrounding the former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. He's a politician who rose to celebrity status only to have a spectacular fall. He also maybe didn't not have nipple rings. But the nipple rings, while funny, were also symbolic. Because there was this other side to Cuomo, a side that his adoring public didn't get to see, a much darker side. We'll be getting into that after the break. Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did, and suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds. And they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William vs. Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. 
Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. So if you weren't in New York, or if you were doing more important things during the pandemic than paying attention to Nipplegate, Andrew Cuomo was known for a while as America's governor. And everyone thought he was going to become president. When New York was the epicenter of COVID, he became famous for his daily press briefings. During a time when everything was confusing and nobody knew what to do, he gave clear instructions about things like social distancing and masking. He spoke with compassion when everyone was going crazy, just stuck at home. When nothing made sense, Andrew Cuomo made sense. Even in other countries, people compared their bumbling leadership to Andrew Cuomo's shining example. And by the way, Andrew Cuomo didn't respond to our questions for this podcast. Let's go back a second to Andrew Cuomo's origin story. He was born in Queens in 1957 as the son of Italian-American immigrants. This was back when there was a ton of discrimination against Italians. His dad, Mario Cuomo, was a lawyer with political ambitions. We won because people, people and the passion of belief are still more important than money. Mario started his political career with a run for New York mayor in the 1970s, and his son Andrew was right by his side. I first met Mario Cuomo in 1975 in uh, Rensselaer County. That's Fred Dicker, a political journalist who covered Mario Cuomo back in the day. I liked him right away, very charming guy. He was one of the best orators anyone had ever heard, and he was remarkably bright. I remember speaking to him a few times and saying to myself as I'm talking to him, this guy is one of the smartest people I've ever talked with. Mario Cuomo's speeches really were quite amazing, like this one at the Democratic National Convention. Please allow me to skip the stories and the poetry and the temptation to deal in nice but vague rhetoric. I learned about our kind of democracy from my father, and I learned about our obligation to each other from him and my mother. Like many of you, I watched a small man with thick calluses on both his hands work 15 and 16 hours a day. I saw him once literally bleed from the bottoms of his feet. A man who came here uneducated, alone, unable to speak the language, who taught me all I needed to know about faith and hard work by the simple eloquence of his example. Incredible oration. That's what Mario Cuomo was known for. But that wasn't all. He earned the moniker when, as governor of the Hamlet on the Hudson, the guy who couldn't make up his mind. I worked with a guy who used to say that Mario Cuomo was a guy with a question for every answer. But Andrew Cuomo grew up in the shadow of that. If you read Mario Cuomo's Di- Forest Hills Diaries, which really made him famous, he talks in there about the regrets he had about not spending time at home. He wasn't with his kids enough. He wasn't with his wife enough. So yes, Mario Cuomo may have been an absent father, but he was also a political icon. And from the get-go, Andrew Cuomo was really different from his dad. Being from the Bronx as I was, 
He struck me as a guy from Zariga Avenue, which was about five blocks from where I grew up. It was an Italian-American neighborhood. They were physically strong, tough young guys over there. We used to have to be careful, my friends, uh, going in that neighborhood. Not that he was menacing, but he looked like a New York City type uh, guy that I had grown up with. Andrew Cuomo really never really knew what he was the way Mario Cuomo felt he knew what he was. He enjoyed muscle cars and women a lot more than reading Tehard de Chardin the way his father did. He was kind of a lost soul. But Andrew played a very distinct role on Mario's team. He earned a reputation pretty quickly. He was uh, seen as his father's hatchet man. He was this good-looking, energetic, sharp-elbowed guy who you knew you didn't want to cross. That's Chris Smith, a writer for New York Magazine who covered Andrew Cuomo forever. In 1977, there was a famously nasty race for mayor in New York City. Mario was running against Ed Koch. Ed Koch, at the time, a, a congressman, you know, tall, awkward, bald, gray sideburns, nasal, high-pitched voice, Jewish, a sort of character out of a Woody Allen movie. Andrew worked on that campaign, was always credited, which he denies, with a bunch of homophobic slurs directed at Ed Koch. The runoff uh, with Mario Cuomo got ugly. Here's Ed Koch talking about these homophobic slurs. Oh, it did. He was uh, very ugly. And some of his supporters started going around saying, vote for Cuomo, not the homo. They put up uh, signs on Queens Boulevard. It was the whole boulevard. It was shocking. I said, Mario, this is happening. Oh, I, really? I mean, he, uh, I, he doesn't know about it. Underneath, he knows I know what I'm really thinking. You <laughs> no one, to my knowledge, has ever produced one of these posters. <laughs> there don't appear to be any photographs of these posters. Um, it's a great story, even if it's, if it's a myth. And here's a example of uh, Koch's political canniness, is that whether the posters existed or not, In 1977, Ed Koch turned them into an issue that helped him, you know, that here were the Cuomos making this nasty, unjustified uh, attack on him. And it helped Koch win. It's possible Andrew miscalculated and his homophobic attacks backfired and lost his dad the election. Or maybe he had nothing to do with the homophobic slurs. There's just no way of knowing. But either way, the election was lost, and Andrew made a decision. And Andrew vowed, literally, the night the returns came in, that he was going to make Dad a winner. He got his chance a few years later, when Koch and Cuomo faced off in a rematch in the race for governor. Andrew was his father's campaign manager. And this time, things went differently. They were able to build a family and live in dignity and see one of their children go from behind their little grocery store in South Jamaica where he was born to the highest seat in the greatest state, in the greatest nation. Mario had landed the top seat in Albany, and now Andrew was his top advisor. 
Andrew was the guy who fired people. Andrew was the guy who fed material to the tabloids that undercut Mario's enemies. And some of that was exaggerated, but it had a real basis in fact. And, you know, Andrew was very, very good at the inside game at knowing, you know, which buttons to push and which people's vulnerabilities to exploit. But according to Fred, Andrew's relationship with his father was not smooth sailing. And others have told me, too, I would note, that at times Mario would be very abusive of Andrew and he would rip him in front of other people. And they thought that that had scarred Andrew in some ways. And I think it's probably true. At this point, Andrew was also working as a lawyer, but perhaps he felt it was time for him to strike out on his own. So he founded a nonprofit called Help USA, which built housing projects for the homeless. He parlayed that into a position as chair of the New York City Homeless Commission. And then, in a Game of Thrones-esque chess move, he did what lots of characters on that show do to gain social status. He married up to a Kennedy. The high-profile marriage of Andrew Cuomo and Kerry Kennedy unified two political powerhouses and earned the nickname Cuomo-lot. Pretty soon after that, Andrew landed a position at the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. I worked for Andrew Cuomo, who was an assistant secretary at HUD during the first Clinton administration and then became HUD secretary uh, after that. And I was his press secretary there. That's Karen Hinton, who worked closely with Andrew during these years. It was 1995. Well, the HUD building is the ugliest building in Washington, (laughs) D.C. So you always felt a little uncomfortable, especially when you first start working there. Ironically, the HUD building needed some help to feel like home. You have to bring in things from home in order to feel more comfortable in an office that you're going to work from 7 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night and sometimes longer. According to Karen, Cuomo was a tough boss. But in the complicated math of Washington politics, it seemed worth it. I definitely had heard things about him before I took the job. Some people, including the woman who had recommended me for the job, she told me, she said, now, look, listen, you need to be ready for blowback because there will be days when he won't be in a good mood and you'll get blamed for everything. And maybe you won't say the right thing and he'll let you know it immediately. But at that point, I had worked in Washington for eight years and a lot of uh, politicians were like that. And that was kind of the way it works in Washington sometimes. Then when I took the job, I later discovered that he was a lot tougher than my friend had described. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com infamous. That's rocketmoney.com infamous. rocketmoney.com infamous. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. Andrew Cuomo spent years at HUD, climbing the ladder until finally he became Bill Clinton's housing secretary. He had big ambitions. He was married to a Kennedy. He had been a second member of the president's cabinet. He was a national figure. Fred Dicker again. He came back and became the New York attorney general, which was a, a springboard to run for governor, you know, the joke in New York is the AG, Attorney General, also stands for aspiring governor. And then something major happens. Governor Elliot Spitzer is caught up in a sex scandal. He's super against sex workers as a politician, and then he's caught with a prostitute at the Mayflower Hotel. So Spitzer is forced to resign and his number two takes over, and that gives Cuomo an opportunity. When Spitzer took this totally unexpected fall. Andrew Cuomo was licking his chops. And Elliot Spitzer had been a good governor. Not, uh, I guess, a sexually obsessed weirdo. Uh, I don't think Andrew Cuomo would have been able to beat him in a primary. In 2011, Andrew Cuomo finally lands the top seat. So now, he's governor. I, Andrew M. Cuomo. I, Andrew M. Cuomo. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear that I will faithfully discharge the duties of, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of, the office of governor of the state of New York. The office of governor. There has never been a character in New York state politics who was better prepared by his life experience to be governor of New York state. You know, Andrew Cuomo grew up learning how to execute power, knowing every major and minor character in New York state politics, understanding how money influenced Albany, um, and at the same time being capable of both emotionally moving speeches and, you know, cold-blooded takedowns of people who stood in his way. As governor, he quickly becomes known for being tough. But he also sometimes acts straight-up weird. Like, his relationship with reporters is very odd. We would talk a lot, 
he would call me at home a lot. He's very famous or infamous for calling people a, a great deal of time. He would call me like eight or ten times a day. Wait, wh- why would he call so much? Because he just he's uh, relentlessly wants you to take his point of view or he just wants to know who else you're, you're calling in the course of a day? Well, I mean, people know him well, and he's a very smart guy. There's no question about that. You know, think he's an obsessive control freak. And he himself, at times, has described himself, he did it to me at one point, as a control freak's control freak. So that would be the reason to call all the time. What's going on? What do you hear? What about this? What about that? Maybe he's restless. Maybe he's bored. It was kind of like father, like son. Mario Cuomo, he would do that occasionally too. The phone would ring three times a day in my office or at home. It would be Mario. Sometimes he was happy. Sometimes he was upset at me. There was one awful time at 6, if you can picture this, 6.15 in the morning, my phone rang at home in Albany. And uh, hello, uh, Mr. Dicker. Yes, this is Trooper so-and-so at the mansion, hold for the governor. And he gets on the phone, Mario Cuomo, screaming for half an hour or 45 minutes over a story he didn't like. Oh, Jesus. Well, I mean, actually, in some ways, you know, it's kind of nice to have that kind of access. It'd be a press conference almost every day. So it was like too much access. Andrew certainly could be as overtly angry as his father, but he had more colors to him as a politician. He liked to try to pretend that he was your friend and then kind of steer you where he wanted you to go. He he wasn't immediately upfront and domineering. There was not a blizzard or a car wreck where Cuomo didn't show up with a a shovel or (laughs) a tow truck, you know? He loved being out there in his windbreaker, even though he was the chief executive of the state, you know, he was going to be the guy pulling somebody out of a ditch. On one occasion, Chris was reporting a story about Cuomo's bid for re-election. Andrew's press people, they say, okay, come out to Long Island. He's doing an event at this fishing reef-related event. (laughs) And then... I mean, and this was planned, you know, my interview was then to take place on the gubernatorial helicopter as he flew back from Long Island to Manhattan to his Midtown office, ultimately. He's sitting by the window and he's gesturing to Long Island Sound and to Westchester and eventually to the New York skyline. He is the king of New York. This is all of what this helicopter ride is all about. To the point where he, as we approach Manhattan and fly across Staten Island and the Verrazano Bridge, has the helicopter pilot circle again. (laughs) If I hadn't gotten the message, you know, the first time, we're gonna tour the city and this awesome view a second time. It's like a Dr. Seuss book or something. Like, I am the I am the king of all that I see, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's an amazing image. The king of New York soaring above the skyline that he commands. The only problem is the people who worked for him didn't get such a pretty view. 
Well, like a lot of people who have worked for him will say, you have to stand up for yourself or otherwise you'll be abused, uh, verbally abused. Karen Hinton again, Andrew's former press secretary. We would get into arguments. We would get into fights. And this was a constant battle. There was a lot of arguing in front of people or when we were alone together. In the midst of all this, Karen says she was trying to have a child. I had been trying to get pregnant for two years. And infertility drugs, the egg swap, I had two miscarriages. It wasn't happening. So I said to my husband, let's adopt. And we very quickly did all the paperwork, did everything we needed to do. I get a call from the adoption agency and they say, you got your baby. You can go pick her up now. And and I said, great, terrific. So I went to all the people I was working with and I said, here's the deal. Blah, 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 blah. I've got to leave. I've, I'm going to be, I've, they tell me I'm going to be gone for two weeks. I'm trying to get that reduced so I can get back as soon as possible. At the time, Karen was working on a big historic trip. Bill Clinton was going to visit the Pine Ridge Reservation. We are having the first president in the history of the United States to go to Pine Ridge, an Indian reservation. Theodore Roosevelt had gone to Indian reservations, but only to hunt. He never had an official role to play on an Indian reservation, and no other president had done it. Bill Clinton was doing it at the request of Andrew Cuomo, and I was working on that project to make it all come together for a great public relations hit, but also to do good things on the Indian reservation. So I go into to Andrew and I tell him the story. This is what's happening. I'm so excited. I got it reduced down to five days, so I'll be back with, with all the travel. I'll be back in seven. And he just... Immediately, I could tell he was not happy. And he looked at me and he said, my husband's name is Pat. And he looked at me and said, why can't Pat just go? And I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, just have Pat go. She'll never remember that you were there or not. You can just tell her you were there. (laughs) And I said, you, I said, you have, you have lost your effing mind. (laughs) I said, this is my daughter. I am going to pick her up. And when I come back, everything will be in place for this trip that we're doing to Pine Ridge. Everybody's right on schedule. It's not an issue. And he says, no, that's not the way it's going to work. And I said, well, I, I, I'm not going to miss this. I'm sorry. And I just walk out mad. He's mad. And the first thing he does is he calls a guy, he takes over my project. So Karen is now sort of the underling of a new guy who Cuomo has brought in to take over her projects. And we meet in a room, and I've got my daughter with me. I have one of the assistants to people on my floor. She was watching her when I went to the meeting. And I said, well, what, what, what do we need to do? What's What do I need to know about? Well, I have some letters that we've written to members of Congress. Could you review them and see if there are any spelling errors? (laughs) 
And I looked at, I said, you're kidding me, right? I said, you know me, you know what I'm going to say to you. So let's start over. And he says, no, Karen, he says, I'm running this. And that's all I know that we need to do. Not long after, Karen says she tried to confront Cuomo about what was happening with Pine Ridge. We just got into a very nasty argument uh, about how he was handling it and how I thought he needed to handle it because we had made promises to the people on Pine Ridge and now we were breaking those promises. And I just got so frustrated with the whole situation that I said, well, you know what? It's just time for me to go. I'm done with this. So fuck you. And then he says, no, fuck you. <laughs> that, went on, that went on for about a minute of fuck yous. <laughs> and then I said, I'm leaving. I'm taking them my box, filling it up and getting the hell out of here. And that's what I did. Karen wouldn't be the only person to experience Cuomo's bullying, but she would be one of the only people to stand up to him for now. Next time on Infamous. It was a state for sale. The Senate and the Assembly were for sale. They were all cashing in. I've seen you referred to a little bit recently as the love gov. It was unbelievable. He said most transparent administration in history. It may have been the most transparently corrupt administration in history. But can't be off the record when Brendan said that. Don't go off the record. I don't want you to go off the record. 